What's up, everybody? Jason with the Louisiana HR Podcast. Excited to share with you today's episode. We sit down with Trent Davis over at Deloitte. He's a human capital consultant. He's really doing a lot of great work in the Baton Rouge area and across the Gulf Coast region, working with a lot of leading organizations around culture development. And in today's episode, we really get into it about what it takes to drive culture within your organization. It's such a hot topic right now, especially coming off the year that we had. And Trent comes with such fantastic insights that I think you're really going to love it. I certainly did. So I hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, check it out. Welcome, everybody, to the Louisiana HR Podcast. I am super excited to share with today's guest. I've had an opportunity to get to know Trent. He's truly a thought leader and innovator and doing a ton of tremendous work within the HR space, currently with Deloitte, and uh, just really doing some amazing stuff. So I won't take any more thunder, Trent, <laughs> and let you do a, uh, a quick introduction. So tell us a little bit about yourself and some of the work that you're doing. Yeah, well, you know, first off, um, Jason, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, I started at Postway in Netherville back in, I want to say, like 2016. So I was at PNN for roughly four years and decided to leave PNN to really expand my reach and, and my capabilities. And so I joined Deloitte in March of this year. And um, so far, it's been super exciting. Just a privilege in my complete tenure to be able to help so many different organizations and help them find their way, help them deal with the challenges that many companies deal with. And so that is what I love. That's my passion. That is why I get up every single morning. I'm I'm looking forward to continuing more years in that area. Love it. So, you know, one of the things that impressed me about you, Trent, we were talking is you you truly have a passion. I remember the last time we were talking I, and I just said the word culture and like you exploded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you have such great insights. Where does that come from, that passion that you have? When I was in um, high school, I started at Burger King and, you know, just like every other young adult trying to build their career, you know, understand what a dollar is and what work is. And so went to work for three years at the local Burger King and hated every single day of it. It was painful. It was just, um, it was, it was just not the best working environment. And on my very last day, I went to the manager and I was like, Hey, um, not going to hold back. I hate it all three years of working here. And the funny thing was that manager told me that, huh, well, that is something we have in common because I hate my job as well. And in the back of my mind, I'm saying, well, if you hated your job, you should have left so that we could have got a manager who loves it and then everything would have been perfect, right? And so from that moment, I realized that I never wanted to go into another organization where people didn't care where leaders did not care, where employees did not care, um, because it tends to create a, you know, very hostile, you know, toxic work environment. And so that I I made that my entire mission. And so culture since that moment have always been my drive because I just love the idea that you can change an entire atmosphere, an entire perspective, everything about a company by just focusing on two big things, culture, what is the lay of the land, and also engagement. 
how well do people love doing their jobs? If you can fix those two things, you can take on the entire world. I love it. I, I love, and I love that story. I think that's amazing. You go to the manager, you're like, hey, me too. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. That's the, that's a bigger problem we need to be talking about. I want to unpack that a bit. So culture and engagement. You know, when you talk about, I think when I talk with a lot of people and they hear the word culture, they think of it in the terms of of a soft skill. It's it is what it is kind of kind of um, approach towards it. From your vantage point in speaking with the business leaders, how do you explain somebody when somebody says, "I want to drive culture"? How do you explain how that actually comes out and is executed? So, first, there's the misconception that culture and engagement is the same thing. And it is not. It is while they typically go hand in hand, two completely different things. So anytime a leader says, "Oh yeah, I want to," um, you know, "I want to focus on culture. I want to focus on engagement." They're together. We can tackle them at the same time. At that moment, I realize it's a bigger problem because you don't you, like you don't necessarily understand the um, distinction between the two because they're very different. Culture is how how you do what you do. It is. How does, you know, the organization thrives when you have people in the mix? How, you know, and, and, and that goes from mission values, right? A lot of leaders um, that don't get it think of it as false, like, like to your point, like, well, how do you really fix that, right? That is one of the biggest things that I have found when trying to get leaders is if you don't understand culture, it is harder to get executives to understand, hey, uh, this is something serious. This is a big issue, not just from a turnover perspective or retention, but also brand recognition, also profits, right? I always say that if you just focus on the employees and focus on building a culture, a place where people actually want to come to work and do their job, if they love what they do and you focus on that employee, you don't have to worry about the customers. You don't got to worry about the sales or anything because those employees will work 10 times as hard to make sure every single customer, every single client is excited, right? Mm -hmm. The engagement piece is a little bit different because it's like, how could we impact the way that they're doing to the point that they do their job well? How, like, how engaged are they, um, are, are, are the employees? And so that comes from, you know, not putting, you know, 20 million things on one person, um, not um, having job descriptions that are written but never used and doesn't reflect one bit what the employee's job is, right? And then to that point, they don't understand what they're doing. They don't like what they're doing. Um, they were hired for one job, you threw them in, into another. Um, and then that builds, right? That fuel. When people get angry, what happens? You know, stuff start blooming, right? And then before you know it, you have an, a culture that doesn't, you know, represent what the company intended to mean. You got mission mm. visions on the, on the wall, but that doesn't mean anything whatsoever. And so when you execute culture, you start from the top, you make sure everyone is bought in. Every single person has to be bought in. It's not just leaders, it's employees as well. And I love mm. to bring those people into the mix from the very beginning. Mm. 
Because if they can buy in at the beginning, then it is a successful transition in the end. I like that. So I think that's great. I love how you talk about the differentiation between culture and engagement, two completely different things. So starting with culture, but let's say for, okay, we'll, we'll go, we'll go real high with Burger King. You're a senior leader at, at Burger King or a, you know, a, a bigger organization or any organization. And you go, gosh, I, that's a problem. I have, a, I have a, I have a culture problem. What's the questions that they should be asking internally to figure out where do we start and how do we go about tackling this? What are some of the questions that you think they should be asking? Well, one of the first questions is, what do we do? You know, most people think, oh, well, you sell burgers. I heard a presentation and it, it was mind-blowing because it was regarding uh, Raising Kings. And, um, and so understanding their culture and why they do things, you know, the question was, what does Raising Kings do? And everyone was like, sell chicken fingers. That's what they do. And um, the speaker was like, no, they build leaders. And I was like, whoa, mind blown. Like, I did not see that one coming. And so first thing is, what do we do? Why do we do it? And what do we want to be known for? Right? So once you get those and people say, well, yeah, mission, vision, values. And I always think that gets a, you know, somewhat of a, like, uh, record player that just keeps burning out, right? Because mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, so many people that just don't know. They lose sight of why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're not understanding the full picture, right? You're not understanding how can we get everyone to work on one accord. Is it teamwork, right? Do we want a teamwork and environment? And how do we build that? So it's really fostering, you know, the things that matters and making to make an impact that matters. And so yeah. one of the biggest questions is you got to get to the root cause. Like I always think of culture as like the root, because if you don't understand the basics of the organization, how do we want employees to feel when they uh, come here? Not necessarily engagement, how, how, how much they like their job, but how do we want everyone to feel? How can we build that camaraderie, right? When you think about Raising Canes again, right? Every single employee, you know, realized that during this pandemic, their friends at other fast food chains are being laid off, right? And mm-hmm. for Todd and the entire Raising Cane's family to say, no, y'all will keep your job. We will work through this and we will make it out, right? Mm-hmm. I have never seen chicken fingers come out of a drive through very fast, like as fast as ever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because people were like, wow, like we're teamwork. Same thing with, um, you know, hurricanes, right? When you got Todd Gray's in the, in the uh, kitchen buttering, you know, bread, you got um, your CFO doing fries, they're on the ground. If, if, if we're their culture, the way that they do things is we're a team, one love. We're we're a team. So if something goes wrong, we're all like we're all you know um, assisting in getting it. But if you don't understand why you come to work every single day, if you don't understand what you want, you know people and employees to feel about your organization, if you don't understand where you're trying to go and what you're trying to achieve. You have a culture that is really just you know fostering based on any person's perception. So 
if you have toxic people, if you don't have a great, you know, um, recruitment strategy, then that's just going to bloom. And whatever it, you know, ends up being is what you got. And what I've learned is when you have a culture that is so far from where you want it to be, it's, you can't just flip a light switch and bring it back. It's going to take a lot of time. But as culture manifests, you got to keep going back to why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. I love that. I like it. What do we do? Why do we do it? And what do we want to be known for? I love those three questions. You know, and and you bring me to another thought. You know, I, so many times you, you you hear like mission values, and usually it's like, oh, I hired a an English major to put some some words together, and <laughs> and that's we throw that up there, and that's that's you know it's on the wall. You know, and Enron's Enron's uh, Enron's mission was like honesty and integrity <laughs> in all things we do. It was like okay. Um, you know, a culture is actually what, what you're, you live and breathe across your personnel and across the entire of the organization. So I think you bring up a really good point. And it almost like makes me think that another thing that they could be uh, when you're talking about your, your mission, your values is writing it for the employee and not the customer. You know, I think like when you think of a lot of missions that are, are written out or what we try to preach internally, they tend to be, you know, towards the customer. Hey, we want to be, you know, the leading provider of X, Y, you know, of chicken fingers. We want to be the leading provider of chicken fingers, the fastest, freshest chicken, you know, around. And, and Raising Cane said, hey, look, we want to build leaders. What it will manifest and come out is the fastest, freshest, right. friendliest customer service chicken you can get anywhere. That's what that manifests out of that. But what we are going to focus on every single day is building leaders. And, and if we do that, what will manifest is this. So like for me, like that initially, what you just said to me, I instantly think, hey, what you could be asking is what do we do? Why do we do it? And what do we want to be known for in the in the context of your of your employees, your valuable asset, the employees, which in return will manifest into the leading provider of tape, the you know, the quickest service provider of whatever. But what do we want to be focusing on? What's going to be our mission or why? I think that's really, really a great share, Trent. I love that. And one of the things I will always say is that when you focus, just focus solely on the actual employees, everything else will, like, everything else will work out. Because if, they're, if, they, if they realize that you appreciate them so much, you got their back, they will always have yours. Yes, I love that. I love that. So let's let's flip it then and let's talk about engagement. So, you know, same question, but on the lines of engagement, what are some questions that if you're trying to drive engagement, what are some of the similar questions or things that you could be looking for to help with that part of it? With engagement, I go back to so, you know, engagement is how engaged our employees with their job. And one of the things, you know, I always like to ask is you know, find out, like, like one of the biggest things is you need to find out, like, one, do they know what their job is? And, you know, sometimes people will say, yes, uh, he's a CFO. That's his job. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's a title. Like, what is this person's job? And mm-hmm. can they even communicate it? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we forget the language barriers and the you know, the meanings of different things. Um, what I think about what I do is very different from how my manager and then someone who's truly detached from the organization may think 
um, of my job. And understanding that is like the base ground, right? So then understanding, okay, what do you like? What don't, don't you like, right? Sometimes people stay in organizations because, you know, not to talk about the state, but a lot of state workers, they stay in a job, great benefits, right? If I just get to retirement, I would be set. Well, if you hate your job and you hate what you're doing, you, and you may love the state, you may love it as an organization, but if you hate your job and you come every single day, that's a problem. Mm. Because then your disengagement can impact the culture of the organization and the way that the the company does things, right? So you have to get to the like a, you know point of what do you like, what do you like? Do you understand what your job is, and what are you what are you not getting? Are you not getting the support you need? Um, is there no promotion, right? Sometimes that adds to disengagement, right? As a culture, you love the organization. You love what it stands for. You love what you're doing, um, you know, what the organization is doing, but you just don't feel like you and your role has what it takes to be successful for your own personal um, level of success. The company is doing fine. They're making billions of dollars. Uh, you know, they give, you know, it's teamwork and everything, but when it comes to, your nine to five or your hours, you hate every single minute of it because it's not what you wanted to do. Sometimes it's not even what you signed up to do, right? Sometimes employees leave and they say, oh, you know, we're not going to hire another person. We're just going to give it to you. Right. And no bump in pay, no, like, you know, um, level of promotion. Um, and it's just like, wow, like, you know, especially someone who's been there five, 10, 15 years and that level of respect, you know, sometimes that will just get to a point where it's, it's, it's not even worth it. And that may be the biggest asset that organization has mm-hmm. and is building that engagement. You have mm-hmm. to have employees that are engaged. Yeah. No, I love that. I think on a tactical level, you bring up some good points around it's, it's, Typically, like when you have disengagement is when there's misalignment in, in, in expectations. So, hey, I was brought on for X and I was anticipating that. And now I find myself I'm over here and there's misalignment. And, and I think one thing to probably even be noted is that I think it's OK for an organization to say, hey, if you brought somebody on here, it doesn't mean that you can't pivot them into something else. But if it's not clearly communicated that that's what the intention is and it's all assumptive, like then, then you, if you don't vocalize those things, I think is when you start to have more of a problem. You know, hey, I, you know, I assume, and, and you may, what you just said made me think of a conversation I had with with uh, Meredith Eicher on a, on a separate note was was along those lines of, of of communication. How well are you actually, even though it can be assumed, how well are you actually vocalizing what those expectations are on those changes? And when you don't have that alignment is when you start to see that disengagement and you start to see it impact every part of the business, even on a P&L, I mean, re- revenue, costs, all of those things start to get impacted because of that misalignment. I think you bring up a great point there. And um, one of the ways that I'll add and say is that the reason most leaders believe culture and engagement is the same thing is because if you're having this if you set your organization to be an organization of 
you know, we put our uh, employees first. Um, we are an organization of transparency. We're an organization of, you know, knowledge share, right? And then you have supervisors that don't communicate with their employees, that don't treat their employees well, right? What's mm-hmm. happening is employees starting to feel like, whoa, you don't practice what you preach. So I'm not going to get on board with this whole thing. Oh, you say we need to, you know, work extra hard to get this accomplished. I'm going to work the same way because you don't care about me that much. So why should I care about you? As long as I got a job, I'm good. And then you have this culture now that is very toxic and that is very far from where you set it out to be. So then it's like, oh, engagement culture, same thing. But had you focus on building those walls of what the culture was going to be and not allowing um, the foundation to start cracking from engagement to the point you have a toppled over a skyscraper that you can't repair, you know, in one year, two years. Yeah. Well, I think you're making a good point. You brought up Raising Canes and, and, you know, founder Todd Graves and and all the leadership team getting, you know, involved and, you know, and with when it comes down to, you know, what needs to get done. And, and I think what's important to be noted, too, is, you know, the culture and engagement starts from the top. It's not something that can be delegated. I hear that so often that you, if you if you are not playing an active role in it and it, it can't be delegated, it can't be it's not a task that you've got to You've got to play an active role because you know, your employees will reflect what leadership does. And it starts, you know, it starts from the top down. And so I think that you gave a great example of what that actually looks like. If you want to make that change, you've got to empower. If you're not empowering your leaders to have better conversations and you're not empowering your leaders to have better visibility into what your workforce is doing and you're not empowering leaders to be more effective when it comes to having effective conversations and then be upset that that's not happening is is it's not a solution either. <laughs> so you, you have to play an active role and empower your people and, and really put your people in a position for success got to start from the top. I think that's a great example you gave as well. Um, I want to ask you this. So we've talked about in culture, we talk about engagement. I think let's say for the organization that's, they feel they've got a good grasp on it. But, but one thing that we're seeing right now happening is um, a lot of industries are going through um, a lot of change and mergers and acquisitions seems to be a high part of that. Actually, there was an article that came out that showed that over 54% of of organizations that are pursuing growth are pursuing it through M&A and not organic growth. So that is now different than an organic growth. How do you handle the, so, you know, for the organization that is got their own culture, but now has to bring in an entirely new organization with their own systems, their own values, their own process, and trying to merge that from your vantage point, I know you're talking with a lot of organizations in that area. What's some insights you can share on that topic? Yeah, so one of the biggest things is if you're going to work to try to merge or acquire or an organization, one of the biggest things that you have to do is you have to understand what the company's culture is. Um, and you don't just ask questions and take it at face value. You do what we call culture due diligence, which means you're doing surveys, you're talking one-on-one with employees. Um, And what I always found interesting um, in every organization I've been um, to is that, you know, some people go for the VPs and I go for, you know, the administrative assistants and, you know, people that are so, you know, in touch with what goes on in the organization. I'm like, why do you come to work every single day? Like, what do you love? What don't you 
you know, don't love. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's going on? What like like what are you hearing? And that's like like that's critical, right? Because if you can understand the culture, you can understand um, the similarities between you know you the buyer and then the company that you're um, you know acquiring. And so that's one of the biggest things. The cultures will not be the same. Anyone that says, oh, yeah, their culture is, is like ours, every culture is different. Um, so we could throw that, you know, miss out. Mm-hmm. But if it's similar enough where it can work and, you know, you can be able to bring people under one roof and excel by joining forces, of course, there's going to have to be compromise, right? Um, you know, an organization that um, has a limited PTO, uh, limited autonomy, and an organization that has, you know, five days of PTO, um, no autonomy is not going to work, right? So there's going to have to be give and take. And it's really a marriage. It is literally just like a marriage, even if you acquire it, right? It's not just, you know, that logic just don't apply to mergers, but if you acquire someone, it's give and take, and you have to make sure, because the last thing you want is to buy, you know, an organization for the people, for the intellectual property and everything, and then, you know, deal close, and every employee is like, I'm out. Like, I'm done. Like, you know, like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not why I joined this organization. And then what do you have? Maybe some offices, some properties, uh, a name, but not the people that really, you know, made that company. And that's huge. Like, I, I think about um, Disney and Pixar is like one of my favorite examples because they are, you know, on the surface, people say, oh, yeah, the same thing. You know, Disney Pictures, Pixar, they make movies great. But they are some of the biggest, you know, um, you know organizations that are so far on the opposite spectrum. This is very structured, very precise, very, you know, they like it by the book. Whereas Pixar is like, you know, let the creative flow, uh, juices flow. Let the, you know, uh, let's, you know, let's not try to rush it. If we say we're going to have it done by this day, it could wait because we're not going to rush the process. And Disney is like, process, this day, that's how we're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. When they merge, they didn't merge everything um, into, you know, together when they acquired Pixar. What they did is say, okay, we can use like your your business complements ours and what we're trying to achieve, but we're going to operate as two completely companies, same way we have before the acquisition, um, all on one roof, but we're going to operate separately because we don't want to disrupt the creative minds and the ability that Pixar has. That's the reason we bought it. For a leader, for an organization to recognize that is mind-blowing because sometimes you can't just merge everything but if you don't take the hard effort on the front end to make sure that everything aligns and then have a plan on what things can we change to make our cultures blend how can we you know increase satisfaction how can we keep the same engagement um that you know built the success of these organizations and what do we need to do and then communicate the hell out of it. One of the things I always say is when you under communicate things, you leave room for interpretation and, um, you know, interpretation assumptions are reality. And sometimes they're far from the truth. Mm. 
I love that. Yep. Yeah, you may. I, I've heard the analogy: never leave a vacuum because it'll always be filled. So if you don't, <laughs> yes, if you don't fill it, then that then somebody will fill it with whatever they want to fill it with, and it's usually wrong. <laughs> right. Um, I love that. You you said one thing that is that really sticks out to me: culture due diligence. Holy smokes! I I, I haven't heard that term, but I think that's so important because you think about any M and A, there is a ton of due diligence that that goes into it. Um, you're looking at financials, you're looking at reporting, you're looking at different perspectives, and you're trying to figure out, does this make sense? And probably the last, if even looked at is, you know, what is this, a, you know, where is this a culture fit? Or if not, are there synergies or ways that we can continue to to have the model work to leverage economies of scale, but keep independent? And that is probably not as considered, if at all, and probably could be one of the most important um, pieces to the overall success of any type of merger and acquisition. So, I think that's great almost as a, as a standard culture due diligence and not just having conversations with senior leaders, your VP, your CFO, CEO, but it's talking at every level throughout the organization about, hey, you know, how does this handle and what is your feeling towards this and what is the culture like in your own words and, and seeing where there are, you know, where are there differences, where are there similarities, where are there synergies? I think that's a great, great share. Definitely. Love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate it, Trent. This was a ton of great insight. Um, I like to ask a few rapid fire questions as a close <laughs> so to get to your insight here. So um, first thing that comes to mind. Now, first one is uh, I always like these because I add my book list gets super huge. Oh, I haven't read many of them, but I'm going to. But for anybody out there who wants to get some really good insights, what's a book that's inspired you recently? It can be HR related business or not. Well, it's a, a recent book that you recommend to somebody that's really inspired you. Oh, wow. Like, is it sad to say I just, you know, out of all the different books I encounter, um, there's one, and I don't know the name of it, um, but it's from a podcast on culture. Um, Give and, us what's the gist. Give us a, a quick gist of it. Yeah, so it, it's it's on the lines of understanding that um, culture just cannot be overhauled, like ripped out, but culture should be, have the concept of renovation. Just like you renovate a home, you keep the things that you want in place, but then mm -hmm. you renovate different things um, rather than just saying, hey, let's just scrap it all together because there are some things that work. I love it. Don't rebuild, renovate. Yes. There you go. Maybe that's the title. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. We'll look it up after. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. I like that. All right, cool. Don't rebuild, uh, renovate. Um, what's a purchase of $100 or less that has most positively impacted you in the last six months? $100 or less. Um, so I've never been to Bay Boston beyond before and some of my friends had like a candle and I walked in and I was like whoa like I just feel like super relaxed so I went and I purchased like a couple candles um you know the total under a hundred dollars but you um you know and like I love the different candles like there's like um you know there's uh I think it's called leafly mint or something like that and it just relaxes you so I'm yeah. always in a calm state of mind when I work in you'd be surprised how often I am getting that as the, like the top answer, like from the work from home model. Now candles is a, is a must like got to yeah. have the right scent game going. <laughs> Definitely. 
I love it. I love it. What's um, what is um, uh, final closing question uh, or two questions? First, what's your walking to the plate song? What's your hype up song, Trent? <laughs> um, my hyping song. So recently, okay, th- this is very um. And I think the name of it is called like Astronaut in the Water or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah. And so like that one was good. Um, one from the Creed movie is called Running. Um, it's one of the songs they used when he was like, you know, getting hype and ready for uh, the fight. Um, so those are probably like the songs that like if I really need a big hype. Um, yeah. is those. I like it. I like it. All right. And then favorite place to get a, um, a cup of Joe in Baton Rouge, uh, your favorite lunch spot and your favorite dinner spot. Oh, place to get a cup of Joe. You know, this may be, um, well, Highland is, is Highland coffee. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I went there for the first time. Even though I went to LSU and everyone's like, you know, you might as well say you didn't go to LSU if you didn't go to Holland Coffee. Um, oh, yeah. I was like, Ugh. So I went there. That was favorite. good. Yes. Um, favorite place for lunch. Um, I went to Elsie's Plate off of government um, yeah. for lunch. So that's always a good lunch place. Elsie's Pies is awesome. Yes. That was phenomenal. And um, favorite place for like dinner. I really love like Mansfield on the Boulevard. Uh, it just gives me that, you know, prestigious like you know anytime i was like oh you know i i, I feel great today let me go ahead and um you know grab some friends or whatnot and go out to eat yeah. it's like mansoor is just um you know just stop as my uh pocket and wallet you know <laughs> just great yep i love it great suggestions trent appreciate your time hey for somebody who wants to get in touch with you what's the best way to reach out to you um i check LinkedIn religiously. Um, so that's probably one of the easiest ways uh, to get in touch with me. Um, you know, you can always email me at um, TreyDavis at Deloitte.com, T-R-E-G-D-A-V-I-S at Deloitte.com. Love it. Trent, appreciate you. Thank you again. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in and giving us a listen. We appreciate you. Again, give us a like, give us a comment, let us know what you think, what else would you like to hear. And if you know somebody that you think would be a great fit, please message us and let us know how we can connect. Thanks again. Hope you have a great day.